It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into another edition of Talking Ducks. Oregon, despite the slow start, takes care of business against Stanford. We'll quickly revisit that game. And then with the bye week coming up, a massive matchup against Washington. We'll give you our early thoughts on that one. Also, the pecking order in the Pac-12. What does it look like after Oregon State knocked off Utah? And then another close look at Troy Franklin. Is he quickly becoming the greatest receiver Oregon has ever had? That's all coming up here as we get to our opening drive brought to you by Capital Toyota. Your way on the highway. And let's bring in the rest of this crew here in just a moment because we need to listen to Dan Lanning and Bo Nix after this Stanford win. I thought our players, you know, they came in with the right mentality. You know, we didn't play any music all week at practice. You know, for a reason, I told the players, hey, when I, heard, when I hear you singing on the sideline, I know we've done something right, right? So those guys, you know, they brought the juice. And again, we didn't start off as fast as we wanted to. A little slow on D at times. Didn't give up a touchdown, right? But a little slow on O with those three and outs. Once we got through that, you know, we kind of figured it out and, and settled in. Well, I think the reason we were slow at the gates because we had six plays in the first quarter, um, and that really be all. Uh, they weren't doing necessarily anything, um, you know, we haven't ever seen or, like, um, you know, they didn't reinvent the wheel or anything. We just, um, you know, our plays were set up for some other things, and then we just had to get settled in and find those things that worked against what they were doing. And once that happened, uh, we put up a lot of – a lot of stuff. All right, now we bring in the fellas from the Oregonian, Aaron Fentress, Joey Harrington, and Anthony Newman. And I want to get started with you this time, Anthony. I normally go to Aaron and Joey, but I'm going to go with Q here. This Oregon game against Stanford, it felt like this was going to be another year where the table is set for the Ducks until you play Stanford and they just tip everything over and ruin the meal for you. But it does... Seemed like Oregon had a little bit more maturity. They go down to the farm and take a second-half effort to blow Stanford out of the water. What's your biggest takeaway from this one, man? Because this did not look very good at first. <laughs> well, I think, you know, every football team, you know, when you have a, a real real good team and you're at the top, everyone's coming after you. So in the first 10 minutes of the football game, you know, teams are going to do everything they can, you know, and, and then they're going to play with a lot of emotion. And – I know there wasn't a, a big crowd there, but the few crowds, that, the few people that were there, they were making some noise. Uh, it's just kind 1400, of a slow... 1,400, Anthony. Official count. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. But, you know, it's just a slow start. The game is all about four quarters of football, and, and people need to understand that. And there's times in what Stanford was doing some things probably that Oregon didn't see, mainly on defense. I mean, Stanford came out with the, with the full house, three running backs, and... Like, you don't know if Oregon practiced that or not. You have to make adjustments. And football is all about adjustments, making adjustments at halftime, uh, during during uh, the first quarter, second quarter. 
once things settled down and once Stanford, you know, figured out mm, this stuff is not working too well because they, they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. They were kicking field goals. Then the better athletes, hey, they show up. Troy Franklin, Bo Nix, guys like that. You know, Keyshawn, uh, Kyrie Jackson. Uh, those guys just take care of business and it becomes a runaway. Yeah, Joey, I mean, we've seen year and year again, Oregon stubs their toe against Stanford. Just that's the way it's been during these special seasons for the Ducks. It wasn't too long ago. You get the win at Ohio State, and then you lose to a Stanford team that I think finished second to last in the conference when you were ranked number three. What does it mean for Oregon to go down and just get the win? Sometimes it isn't always pretty. You just want to get out of there with everybody healthy in the win. What does this mean in the big picture? Okay, so you say just get the win, and it wasn't always pretty. And I, I kind of want to, I want to focus on that for a minute. And Anthony, and, and actually, I'm going to come to Aaron on this afterwards because Anthony, we know, is extremely biased. Um, <laughs> it wasn't pretty to start. Like you watched that first quarter and thought, "Oh God, here we go again!" Right? Offense didn't have a first down. Defense was on the field for what, like, ten minutes. Here's the thing that I looked back at the end of the game, though. And, and like you said, we all kind of walked out of there with like a, ugh, that was just kind of ugly. In games like that in the past, when you start out, ugh, kind of ugly, you're giving up 17 points. You're down 17 to 3 going into the second quarter. You're fighting back, right? The, Historically, Oregon's defense, when you come out, when they come out like that, they're giving up touchdowns. They're giving up big plays, right? And now offensively, like you try and scramble your way back to a 42-35 win. Even though it felt ugly and it, and it just kind of left this odd taste in your mouth, they only gave up six points. I mean, they lit, like that, that is, that's top 10 scoring defense in the country type numbers. Right, So if we can walk out of a game, and granted, I know it was Stanford, and I know Stanford is terrible on offense, and they're going to end up finishing at the, bottom of the, uh, at the bottom of the pack. But if you can walk out of a game where you say, God, we didn't play our best, and, and that just wasn't, it just didn't feel right, and you've still only given up six points... Like, what does that say about the potential for this defense, right? We all knew that at some point, Bo Nix and this offense, they were going to get going. But defensively, like, this is the question mark for, for this team. And we've said it from the beginning of the year. Can the front four get pressure without bringing a, a, an extra blitzer, right? Can the secondary, all four new guys cover? Can they, you know, and, and, and I think while they're still trying to figure that out, we got a pretty good idea of what they can be. And even when they have those question marks, to still look back and say, they only give up six points? Like, that's, that says something to me. Aaron, go ahead and tear it apart. <laughs> so there was a moment when it was 6-0. And I was like, man, I just kind of made it sound like they're going to walk in there and just tear these kids up. Man, if they lose this game, what, what, what am I going to say? What's, what, what's my excuse? But then I was like, oh, come on, man. You've watched way too many of these games. You know what's going to happen. Eventually, the better, more talented team by a lot is going to start executing better, and the floodgates will open, and that's what happens. So I looked at it like you're coming off what was an extremely overhyped but very entertaining, emotional, passionate, you know, fired-up game against primetime in Colorado, watched by 10,000 people. You got a bye no, week coming 10, up, and then people, you Aaron. got U Dub, and Stanford's just sort of kind of in the way. So 
going on the road on top of it. All that's a recipe for coming out maybe a little lethargic, a little slow. And then you got to give Stanford credit because, you know, they want to play well. They don't want to look bad. So they're going to give you their best shot early. And that combination can lead to, you know, a not a very pretty start. But it was always obvious that they couldn't cover Franklin. And eventually they couldn't cover Franklin. <laughs> he was in the end zone. They couldn't get pressure on Knicks. And eventually he just started picking them apart. They couldn't stop the, you know, the offensive line, the run game. And eventually they started. And so it, it became what it became. At the end of the day, like Newman said, it's about four quarters. It can be three really good quarters and then a soft one. It can be a soft one and four good ones. It can be two good ones and a soft one. Like, you're going to have down moments. Theirs just came early and then they dominated. Okay, hold on, hold on though, hold on. What you just said is eventually Franklin and eventually Bo and eventually the O-line in the running game, right? In years past though, those two drives to start the game, that would have been 14 nothing, right? And that's but my But we're talking point. about good Stanford teams. <laughs> well, but, but we're also talking about historic Oregon defenses, right? Historically, when they come out slow, that's what happens. And instead of being in a 14-0 hole and having to, all right, now we really got to go, 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 and it becoming a potential track meet, it was 6 nothing. You get one drive, one touchdown, Boom, you're back on top and everything. Like this, this ugly win felt different to me defensively. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm overreading into this, but I've just experienced so many times when defensively they come out slow in the first quarter and you blink and it's 14 nothing and it's like, God, okay, here we go. Like offensively, we better get this going pretty quick because it's going to be one of those kind of days. And, it, and that didn't happen. And that's a positive for me. Well, Joey, you remember Coach Bilotti told you you don't have to wait until the second half to start playing good. And fourth this is quarter, that this fourth team, quarter. Fourth, I, fourth I had quarter. plenty of bummer third quarters too. Let's not let's not try and sugarcoat this. Uh, one. Well, either way, Oregon gets the win. And if you've been following this show for a while, a segment in which Joey asks Aaron a civil question, and Aaron and Anthony agrees. I don't know what's happened. All the drama's gone here. We're with done. That we do, but we've got a lot more to get to when we come back on Talking Ducks. We got to talk about Troy Franklin putting up a very special season so far for the Ducks. Where does he rank all time? And then we'll take a closer look at how this team has fared over the first third of the season. Plenty more when we come back on Talking Ducks. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back. Time now for our legendary performance, brought to you by Abby's Legendary Pizza. Well, how about Troy Franklin and the numbers that he's put up? Seven catches for 117 yards and two touchdowns at Stanford. The fourth 100-yard game of this young season. He's already got 32 catches, 535 yards, and seven touchdowns this season. Dylan Mitchell holds the Oregon single-season record at 1,184. So basically, Aaron, this means that Troy Franklin is almost halfway to the Oregon school record with potentially eight, maybe nine games remaining depending if Oregon goes all the way to the championship game. The question to me, and I know my thoughts on this, Troy Franklin's the best Oregon receiver since? <laughs> oh, we're playing that game already. Uh, the best since Josh Huff? I'm looking at our list here. I'm going to go maybe Josh Huff, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to play the all-time game yet with a guy who started one and a half seasons. I just can't. There's just been too many great receivers. I need to see him finish the season. But clearly, if he, if he puts up arguably the greatest season ever, then you have to put him in that conversation. But I just need to see him do a little bit more. That said, dude's special. Dude's fun. 
He reminds me a lot of Demetrius Williams in terms of the tall, lanky guy who can pretty much beat you every way imaginable from the receiver position. I love watching him play, no doubt about that. But man, I respect history too much to jump the gun too soon, especially since they've played such a soft schedule. Oh, I love that you said Demetrius Williams, in my opinion, one of the most underrated offensive players the Ducks have ever had in the last 20 years. Joey, you get a receiver out there that's basically unguardable like Troy Franklin, pairing with the Bo Nicks. I imagine that's why we're seeing these type of numbers. Yeah, and, and the thing I'm, you know, isn't it great that we have just every bit of information <laughs> accessible in our pocket right here? I was like, God, he uh, Troy Franklin is number one in receptions, but where does everybody fall on like two, three, and four? Well, Gary Bryant Jr. is at 18 receptions. Tess Johnson's at 15. Treshawn Holden's at 17. Bucky Irving's got, th I mean, Terrence Ferguson's got 50. Like, you've got all these guys behind. I'm thinking, and, and my point was, like, during the Dylan Mitchell years, it was Dylan Mitchell or Correct. nothing. Like, it <laughs> was Dylan Mitchell's just... great season. He was, yeah. He and uh -huh. and, and that's it. It was either going to Mitchell or it was going six rows in the on stands. the team and catching And that so, year. like, the fact that he can put up these types of numbers... And other guys can still eat too. You know, it's like it's it's not it, it's it's not a feast or famine. That's that's a really impressive thing that that Bo can spread the ball around. That and 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 maybe God, I mean, to be able to do it in that type of setting, like or I, I'm kind of stumbling here, trying to think of what I, how I want to phrase this. Dylan Mitchell had 1,100 yards because he was the only option, right? If Troy Franklin comes out and breaks that record with all of the other options behind him. You know, I know for me, Keenan and Jason Willis and Sammy Parker and, and Justin Peel, none of them ever had more than, you know, 50 catches in a year probably because, you know, you're just kind of spreading it around. For Franklin to be able to get that type of production with that type of talent around him, I think says a lot. Oh, yeah. Anthony, you've had to defend a lot of really good receivers. What do you see in Troy Franklin? No, oh, he's a matchup problem. I mean, Troy Franklin could take the top off the defense. He has great football speed on the field. I don't know what his 40 time is, but he can run. And then he's a big kid. And then he's a guy who could run, but run great routes. He can run the short routes, the medium routes. And usually guys with a lot of speed, they can't control their body. They can't slow down in time. They can't make that cut or get out of that break. And he does it well. And Joey said it's, it's crazy. He's doing this with all the other receivers on the team. I, I said there's 26, or 26, 27 receivers, you know, and there's only one football. So how is he doing this with, with, with all the other greatness, around, you know, players around him? One thing that we have to also think about this, okay, we got a young offensive line that's still, I think, working the kinks out, you know, for Bo Nix. But Bo Nix is still finding the time to get the ball to number 11. And number 11 is always separating from DBs. That means he's always open. And when you got a guy that's open, you're going to throw the ball to him. So, And every time he's, he's getting the ball, he's catching it. That's the key. He's making the catches. He's a big-time receiver. Well... His play has certainly helped vault Oregon into the top of the rankings in a lot of important categories. It's time now for Talking Numbers, brought to you by Parr. And how about this? Oregon 5-0 for the first time since 2013. Hard to believe, but over the last couple of seasons, the Ducks have dropped a game at this point in the season by now. One of two FBS teams with a top-10 scoring offense and, much to the joy of Joey Harrington, a top-10 defense. They're tied with Penn State for the fewest turnovers in the country with just one. 
and they matched their season total in sacks, Aaron, from last year already. They've got 18 sacks this season, five games in. And you said the key to Oregon this season, if they were going to fly as far as they possibly could with this difficult schedule, was getting after the quarterback. And we've seen that already. That has been huge this year for the Ducks. Absolutely. Hey, I was picking on them all offseason. <laughs> Began the season saying, this is my thing. You got to give credit where credit is due, right? They already have 18 sacks already in five games. That said, it's been a soft schedule. So I only say that because there's tougher challenges ahead, but at least you're going into those challenges looking like you can at least pressure a quarterback, get to a quarterback. Clearly the most impactful situations they've had, obviously, were Texas Tech. They put up some yards, but they got some sacks. They won the game by, with pressure at the very end. And then, of course, they completely dominated Colorado and Sanders. We saw what Sanders did against SC. Now, SC doesn't have a defense at all, but still, two completely different worlds for Shadur Sanders playing against the Ducks pass rush and playing against USC, and that's a credit to the Ducks. So, so far, all signs are there that they're going to have a pass rush good enough to maybe make Penix uncomfortable, maybe make Caleb uncomfortable, etc. And if that's the case, that gives them a chance to win those games. Without that, I give them no chance, but they're showing signs that make, the, make me believe they can win those games, maybe. Final thought here, Joey. I think the number that stands out to me the most are the fact, top 10 offense with a top 10 defense. Very few teams can say that, and obviously that's going to be put to the test here as you get set to play Washington SC. But it looks like both sides of the ball are carrying their water this year. And that is huge for any team that has those aspirations to try and play football in the playoff and win some championships there. When was the last time we saw that? I mean, when was the last time we truly saw a dominant defense from Oregon? The years with Haloti? Uh, 2019, I think they only gave up less than 20 points that year. Yeah. What's that? 2019 team, I think, 2019 star gave up, I think, less than 20 points per game. Let me look it up. Hmm. Fair. But I, yeah, I mean, but I, I don't know what, maybe it's just the style of college football. You know, I, I, I think of that, that team with Haloti as like the truly like last dominant defensive unit. Now, like we said, this Washington week in two weeks is, is going to be the test. Like that is, that is truly for as much as Aaron likes, you know, people are going to harp on Aaron for saying we're playing, we've got a soft schedule. There is a, you know, Colorado isn't exactly soft offensively. You know, we've seen what we've seen what they can do, the type of numbers, the type of points they can put up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's we haven't played Washington, we haven't played SC, we haven't played um, Oregon State. State. Like those Oregon are going to be big tests. Yeah. But if Oregon's defense continues to play even somewhat remotely close to how they've played this the first stretch of the season, I think they're going to be just fine going into Washington. And yeah a team that's top 10 in the country in offense and defense is going to find themselves in a pretty dang good spot at the end of the season. 2019 Aaron, Ducks, 16.5 points allowed per game. Aaron, though, I got a question for you. Okay, think about this. We're so long this You know, if you're already. a head coach, are you happy with your team, with your defense, okay, after the Stanford game? Okay, Stanford had 70 plays. They only had 200 yards. Total offense, 70 plays. Okay, they had 46 rushing attempts for 89 yards. Are, are, are you happy with that? Or are you the guy with the glass half empty? You're, you're, uh, uh, well, How long have you known me, Newman? I, I mean, come on. Th How that's, long have you known me? That's what you want to see with your defense. And it didn't start out like that against Portland State, did it? So have they improved? 
Did they get better? Are they getting better? Are they getting stronger as the season goes on? So now you get ready to play Washington. You have a solid defense that you put together that's getting better. Please. Please. First of all, I was you're acting say, like we, we don't have we, first of all, you're acting like we don't have a history where I've made you know, I've put out these caveats before and then bad things happen. We can go back just to 2021. They beat Ohio State. I was like, well, they kind of had some things go well in that, for them in that game. Two weeks later, they lose to Stanford. So let's not act like I don't have a history of raising red flags and those red flags proving to be true. That said, I'm giving them all the we're credit so in the world. I all just right, said, we're going to break. They've dominated their opponents. They've done really, really well. But there are way better challenges coming. But. Of what? But. Hey, the, I mean. But. Okay, okay hey, fine. Hey, hey, Jordan, hey, I hope hey, we're already running amazing. the commercial. Music. I, I'm going to make you guys year, edit this show a, next time because we're making life They're not going to give up a touchdown producer. the rest of the season. I'm going to cut you all off. Nick, we're going to break. When we come back, we'll let these guys argue. <laughs> we're going to talk more about the Pac-12. Some wild results this week. Oregon State making a statement. We'll try to finish the show up when we come back. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back to Talking Ducks. We were treated to some Friday football in the Pac-12. Oregon State hosting Utah, and the Beavers were dominant in their win over Utah, which now shakes up the pecking order in the Pac-12. And initial reaction on that one, because Aaron, you're looking at this game, you're wondering Oregon State, can they bounce back after the loss on the road to Washington State? And they certainly made a statement in Corvallis this past week. Definitely. I mean, Utah's banged up, obviously, but that was a huge win for them coming off that loss, like you said. Uh, you know, they're a team that they're going to be in some, you know, tight games, and their ability to pull those out is what's going to carry them through. They couldn't get it done at Washington State, but good to see them bounce back. I'm still hoping for that Oregon, Oregon State game, whatever we're calling it, to be for a playoff berth. Like, that's, that's my fantasy, so we're still on track for that potentially happening. I'm glad that that's your fantasy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that that is it right there. That That is... <laughs> Very mild and conservative, and I love that about you. Joey, USC, they can score a lot of points. Everyone knew that with Lincoln Riley coming to USC, but the issue was his Oklahoma teams could never really play much defense. You sort of saw that against Colorado, where they gave up a bunch of points. Colorado had a chance to recover an onside kick to take control of the final possession to tie that game. What have we learned about SC? I mean, we know Caleb Williams is otherworldly. He's going to be the number one pick. He's making it look way too easy out there. But as a team, they've got some big-name pieces on the other side of the ball, but they aren't the top 10 offense and defense that Oregon is. What do you make of the Trojans as far as their chances to win some of these big games and win another championship if this defense is giving up these types of points? I don't know. How about that? Um... Look, it, it, it's perplexing, to be honest. I, I'm curious if... Because, again, this was... What was it? 35... Was it 35-7? 35-14? They threw the ball a point. lot with the lead. You're up I will say that. I think. They What's were not that? trying to milk anything away. Well, it, whatever the, 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 the score was right in the middle of the game, it looked like SC was going to be running away with it, right? Did, did SC downshift... Did they, you know, take their foot off the gas, let Colorado back into it? Is Colorado that, that good offensively? Is SC that bad defensively? You know, Oregon's starting defense held them to zero. They put their subs in and they held them to six. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if this necessarily is, is Colorado's offense that much better than anybody else in the conference. Like, 
I truly don't think we're going to have any real answers until Oregon plays Washington, until Oregon plays SC, until, you know, I, I honestly, I will say this, going back to the question you asked Aaron, I think the Oregon State-Utah game gave us some answers about a little bit of the pecking order. I, I, I can't say anything, tr you know, I, I don't have a, a fully formed opinion about SC, but I do think Utah cannot win unless they get Cam Rising back. They're simply not going to be able to score enough points. Um, but yeah, like this conference is going to play out over the next three and four weeks, and, and we'll get a better picture of, of who these teams are. Real quick, Joey, does that Utah game scare you as much after you saw Oregon State and Utah? I'm, they don't get Cam Rising back by that time. Ah, uh, does it scare me as much? Utah is still pretty, pretty dang good defensively. Uh, going to Utah is always, you know, it's tougher than going to Stanford, I'll tell you that. So does it make me nervous? Yeah, but I don't think Utah has... Do, do they have enough to beat a team like Oregon in a one-game matchup at home? Sure. Do they have enough to run the, the length of the Pac-12 schedule without Cam Rising? I don't think they do. Well, it feels like a game at home against Oregon might be their toughest game. But anyway, um, Anthony, contender or pretender here, the Washington Huskies in this game coming up is going to be huge and historic for a multitude of reasons. They received a first-place vote last week. Is Washington alongside Oregon, or is Washington the best contender in the conference when you look at how teams are made up right now? For sure. Oregon and Washington are the two top teams in the Pac-12. Washington has a defense. I mean, they give up, what, 17 points per game. They get after it, and they got a quarterback that's really good in Penix Jr., and they have some receivers that are really good. And so, so when you play Washington, you better bring your lunch uh, you know, USC, we go back to USC, I said this from day one, that it can't stop anybody. You know, if, if Aaron, 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 if Oregon was giving up, what, 30-something points per game, you'd be killing, killing Oregon. Be kill they're, they're terrible. USC's giving up 28 points per game. <laughs> but, you know, they got an offense. But still, when they play some top teams, I don't think they have a chance. Washington, on the other hand, they can score points and they can stop somebody, and that's a battle. With Utah, now going back to Utah, Utah has a great defense, but the, the defense is on the field too long because the offense can't do anything. They can't score. They, they can't score any points. So the defense is exhausted. Uh, so that's the difference. But Washington, they're contenders. Aaron, you said Oregon's had a soft schedule. What do you need to see from them to legitimize the thought that they are contenders? Is it just a matter of doing it against a good team, or do you still have existing questions about Oregon when you look at how wide open the top of college football is right now? Are we talking conference or national championship? I'm talking national. At this point, yes, okay. conference. So, What does a conference, conference title mean they're, at this they're point? They're definitely a conference contender. Look, we, we've had this conversation numerous times on this national show about contender. people talking about national stuff way too early. For me, I, I don't even really want to discuss it until 8. Games, eight and zero. Come talk to me. Seven and one with a really, really strong loss. Come talk to me. Oregon hasn't played anyone. Colorado's gonna be lucky to be six and six. Texas Tech is one and three, one and four. So who have you beaten? I mean, seriously, for me to think national. Come on, I'm not thinking that way. Beat Washington. Who they got next? Washington. Who else? Who's after that? You got Washington State. You got USC. You got Utah. I mean, the next three are Washington. Oh, I don't mean, have the schedule. Who's the schedule? No, I mean, we got the schedule State. next segment. So the don't worry. The next three we'll are like, Washington, Washington State, and Utah. Okay. 
they clear those three, I'll start having that conversation. But we've seen way too many times, man. We all know it. We, we we're not even to November yet. You want to run through all the times we've talked about the Ducks and National this, and then November hit, and Stanford, and Arizona State. I, I mean, it's just, we're too... We spent way too much time around this, around this program to be talking about this early October. That's all I'm saying. I, I understand that, Aaron. But, Joey, you can watch a football team play a game regardless of competition and just see if they're built for it. And regardless of who Oregon's played, and to your point as far as what they did against Stanford in a game that they would normally drop, we're talking first 5-0 start since 2013, Aaron. They've done this before where they've made these mistakes and dropped these games. They haven't yet, Joey, with a top-10 offense, top-10 defense. So for you, have you seen enough, at least in the blueprint, where it says, hey, there are no holes on this Oregon team. Now they just need to perform against a better team. Aaron, let me take what it. What has you? Let me take it. I got, I got correct one mistake, but go ahead. No, I got you. I got you. I'm going to translate this for, for the question for, for everybody here. What Jordan was really asking me is, Joey, we all listen to Aaron, but don't actually want to hear what he's saying. Thank you. Can you answer the question the way I want it to be framed on our duck show so that we can tweet it out to everybody and have you say that Oregon is the greatest thing in the world, <laughs> therefore we will get more ratings back. See, that's how the, what the question really was like. And I'm going to answer it in an honest way and say, yes, Jordan, like I said at the beginning of the show, this is the type of game last week against Stanford where instead of 6-0, it becomes 17-0 and you're digging out of a hole. I was impressed and happy to see that. However, I have also said from the beginning, I truly don't know who this team is until they play Washington. And I'm not willing to make that, that type of statement because we haven't seen we haven't seen the best of this conference. We, we've seen an incredible offense, we, and they did a wonderful job against, against Colorado, minus Travis Hunter, um, you know, which, which has to be put into this. Did they play him better than SC? Absolutely they did. So you can look at these things, but when you're looking at Washington, SC, Washington State, Utah, Oregon State, still left on your schedule, like we don't know who this, t like, like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Right. Mm -hmm. Oregon hasn't been punched in the face yet. And that's a fact. Right. They look really good and they're the, you know, they're coming up and they're coming into the ring. And it's like, all right, two weeks from now, we got Washington and someone's going to get punched in the face and we're going to figure out who gets up, whether it's going to be Washington or Oregon. At that point, we can then say, OK, we know something more about this team. Aaron, thank you, Joey. Your question? I know the headline for our tweet for this as we had to break. Joey and Aaron don't believe in the Ducks quite yet. All right, oh. we come back. Plenty more. We're going to catch up with Dan Rubenstein, get his thoughts on the conference. We'll ask him whether or not he thinks Oregon looks the contender part when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back. Time now for Made of Metal, brought to you by Leatherman. And let's go ahead and check out the upcoming schedule. And yep, gets a lot more difficult for the Ducks after the bye week, especially when you look at facing Washington here in just a moment. And let's get to this Washington preview here. Anthony, you look at what the Huskies have done. What is your early thought on Washington? You've got Penix, you've got these excellent receivers, you've got a defense that's really stepping up. Where do you see Oregon having the most trouble with the Huskies and then maybe where the Ducks have the advantage? I'm not saying anything bad about the Huskies, but I'm asking a question. 
you know, everyone's asking the question, well, who has the Ducks played? Well, who has the Huskies played? Uh, In, Michigan State. Mich oh, Michigan State. That's not the old Michigan State. Hey, so, hey, listen. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, so you got to look at the, the schedules. You know, at the beginning of the year, a lot of teams don't play anybody. And then both teams, you know, they'll show up. Uh, you know, on Saturday afternoon, and, and, and one team will, 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 will keep be standing. Washington is a team that has a great quarterback, and they have great receivers. They, they have a lot, lot of them, just like Oregon does. This is going to be a great matchup. And I've said this from the beginning. The team that has the better defense that can get a couple of stops, because you can't stop great teams. You can slow them down. If you can get a couple of stops, and now – that offense doesn't have a chance to score, and your, your offense gets back on the field and can score again, now you have the lead. And it's, it's going to be a shootout. It really is. I mean, you got two, you know, I keep saying this, and Joey, you, you laugh at this. This game is made for the offense to win because people want to see points. It's an exciting game, 45 to 42. They don't want to see 3-0, okay? I do, but they don't because that's, that, that's a great defensive stand. But in this type of game, you know, you got to have a defense that can make a few stops. And I'm looking at Oregon's defense, and I'm saying, okay, I think they have the better defense. Washington has two of the, two of the top five receivers in the conference, right? They're, they're deep. They have three of the top 20. Yes, we have Troy, Troy, Fl Troy Frank Franklin. <laughs> um, but I'm curious to see, because we played Colorado without Travis Hunter, right? We played Colorado without their true number one. Um, Washington has a true number one, and they've got a true number one A or one B or however you want to categorize it, right? Yeah, they got what two happens to our secondary? How do we play that, right? That's my question for you, or not for you, but that you know that I want to see. Like, God, do we really can? How are we going to stand up to that? That's that's the question where I think that Washington may have an advantage. If I'm looking at where Oregon has an advantage, it, I, I think it's got to be up front. I, I think it has to be the running game. I think it has to be the balance that we have offensively. Because, yeah, Michael Penix, like we talked about last, last week, Michael Penix chucks the ball around. But Oregon has balance. They, they're the only team in the conference in the top 10 in both rushing and passing offense. Like, th this is a balanced offense that, okay, you're shutting us down here. We're going to move over here. I haven't seen, not that they needed to, but I haven't seen Washington make that shift, right? So if Oregon can somehow put a lid on those receivers, then where does Washington go offensively? Uh, and, and conversely, you know, I, I think that, that Oregon and the balance of their offense is going to be a benefit for them, especially on the road when you're going to need to run the football. Yeah, Aaron, how do you attack this one from a coaching perspective when you know that they've got two of the top 10 receivers in the country and a quarterback that can get the ball to them. Is there anything that Oregon can do to sort of force the hand of Washington to say, hey, we're going to make you see if you can run the ball against us and see what happens? I mean, what would you do if you had a chance to call the plays down there? That's the same thing I did to Shador, man. You know, you got to get pressure, and we're seeing signs of that. If they can put pressure on him, then I, I think they have a real good chance to win. Last year, they didn't get much pressure on him. He picked them apart. We're talking about Penix. Um, this, for me, is a pick'em game, and, and Newman made a great point. Who has Washington played? That's fair, and they looked semi-vulnerable against Arizona. That's fair. So I don't believe for a second that Oregon can't go in there and win, but I also believe that Oregon's going to go in there and see a completely different animal, and that Washington's going to see a completely different animal, and it's going to be a battle. I, I, this, I'm looking forward to this game more than most in the last 
five years, even some of the big matchups that we kind of got geared up for. This is going to be special on, on a lot of different levels. And I think Bo's, Bo's dual threat ability is really going to be a huge factor in this because I do think he's going to have to make a lot of freelance plays. Like, be, be special. We've talked about in the past with Marcus where sometimes you just got to be special above and beyond. And I think they're going to need that from Bo to win this game. Joey, in the 115-year history of this rivalry, never before have both teams been ranked in the top 10 at the time of kickoff. Then you factor in, you got two Heisman Trophy candidates. Uh, to me, it makes for the most hyped matchup ever between Oregon and Washington, especially what's at stake for these clubs this year. It doesn't get any better than this, honestly. Man, now that you say that, you know, the only, the only time that it could have happened would have been with Tui when we played in my junior year with Tui, but we weren't in the top 10. You're right, because this, this rivalry has been completely lopsided. The 20 years before the pick, I think, or, or I think Washington was like 18 and two against Oregon. The 20 years after the pick, Oregon was 17 and three against Washington. Like that's, that's a really interesting question. And so much so that I completely forgot what you asked me because I started thinking like, no way. <laughs> no, you, you answered it right there. This is the biggest stage this game has ever had. And this has huge ramifications for the conference because both teams have to play SC. So getting the tiebreaker of beating either if you're Washington beating Oregon or Oregon beating Washington, it puts you in the driver's seat for the conference championship game. In all reality, because between Oregon, Washington, SC, someone's getting two losses. Minimum between that triangle of games right there. Then you factor in if anybody stubs their toe. So th this is huge for making a statement. And if you're Bo Nix here and you outplay Penix and your team wins, what does that say about the Heisman Trophy conversation? Are you now elevated there? There's you, a lot on this one. You, you have, so, you, so it's you, bigger than the Colorado game, right? Oh, yeah. We never said that the Colorado game was going to be the biggest one ever. It was just going to be the most watched one at that point, which 10 million viewers, I think, can't argue. I'm just this pushing game? your button, Jordan. Relax. I'm just pushing the button. A little payback. I didn't mean it. It's okay. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. So, anyway, it's going to be a fantastic game. I think, again, can Washington have the balance on offense? Can their defense slow down all the multiple looks that Oregon has? We'll see. Putting a cap on the receivers, I think, is the biggest thing. But you can always do some things with coverage there to bracket guys, slow things down a little bit out there. We'll see how it goes. But when we come back, we'll give you our thoughts, predictions, and what Oregon needs to do during this bye week to get a few things ironed out as they set the stage for one of their biggest regular season matchups. We'll be right back on Talking Ducks. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back into Talking Ducks. Time now for a Never Rains with our good friend from the Solid Verbal, Dan Rubenstein. And Dan, busy week in the world of college football. And let's just go ahead and take a look at this national picture here. Because for me, I see Georgia escape Auburn, an Auburn team that's unranked. Alabama, outside the top 10. Questions at Ohio State, questions at Michigan, neither one looking particularly dominant. Does it feel like this is the most wide open we've seen the national championship race in recent years yeah maybe i think it's the most incomplete a september as we've seen recently just because it's been so long since at the same time we've had quarterback questions at so many different supposedly elite top places and now obviously it's not supposedly for a place like georgia or alabama but even for alabama it's been a minute since we're like is this guy really good or is this guy sometimes really good and ohio state 
We'll see. He made plays at the end, Kyle McCord, at the end of the Notre Dame game. But yeah, because Clemson is a team that has fallen off of that top tier, it seems at this point, because as you mentioned, Georgia has looked mortal in the first half against South Carolina and for most of the Auburn game, and they're still finding their way. I just think we're going through a growth phase right now for a lot of top teams, and we don't really know what to make of it. I, I mean, outside of, I suppose, Michigan, but their schedule is such that we don't know what Michigan is and so as we watch the West Coast teams which it'll be a nice transition for you as we see the West Coast teams have their the top heavy teams at the top of the Pac-12 what we think is the top heavy top play each other we're going to learn so much about the West Coast so soon and then finally Dan biggest matchup ever between Oregon and Washington first time both teams are ranked in the top 10 in 115 years you got two Heisman Trophy candidates on both sides you know these teams very well. Where do you think the Ducks have the biggest risk against the Huskies? And where do you think Oregon has the biggest advantage over the Huskies? Interestingly, I mean, it'll depend on Kyrie Jackson's health. But I think the biggest advantage for Oregon is probably going to be the the improvement that they've showed up front on defense. Once again, they rotate in a ton of defensive linemen. I think they might have a decent advantage up front in getting pressure on Michael Penix over this Washington offensive line. And obviously Penix has the capability to get the spot out quickly and sort of mitigate a lot of that, that advantage. If that advantage exists on the field, the thing I, I think I'm worried about right now with Oregon in terms of what they really need to be operating with is Bo Nix downfield, because we know Will Stein likes to take his shots in this offense, whether it's in play action, whether it's Bo Nix buying himself a little bit of time to get, you know, Tez Johnson or Troy Franklin deep downfield. And he's been missing some of those shots. And he's been a little bit timid with some of those shots, not even taking them. And we've seen a couple of games where they've wanted to start out hitting balls downfield. It worked out great against Texas Tech, but we saw it against Stanford. We saw it early against Colorado that the rhythm downfield, and I think Oregon is one of the the top teams, and I don't mean top necessarily in a good way, in terms of throwing the ball uh, less than, fewer than zero yards, which is to say going horizontal more than a lot of teams. And it works for them because the downfield blocking has been very good. The receivers have been very good. But that to me is going to be the interesting element. What does Oregon look like on their shots? Because I think there are going to be openings for both teams. And Michael Penix is looking incredible downfield. What does Bo Nix do in looking stride for stride with Michael Penix? That, to me, is the concern, along with, in a hostile environment, the penalties from this offensive line. The false starts, the illegal man downfield, the holding, because there are some, there are obviously talented dudes up front for Washington as well who can get after the quarterback. Oregon was a lot cleaner against Stanford, but on the road, we saw sloppiness in Lubbock, and it's the, the emotions are going to be even more heightened in Seattle. What do they look like in terms of discipline uh, and penalties? That, to me, is going to be huge. And so I, I think we're just going to be in for an unbelievable matchup. I can't wait. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Great compete today. We, we talk about growth week. These guys have been doing a great job attacking it and uh, find a little bit extra they can get better at each week. It's really the week for us of marginal gains, trying to find that 1%, 1%, 1%.
for each person. It can lead to big gains for our entire team. You said, it, uh, you said it's a work week, not a bye week, or you feel like your team has uh, accepted that message in, in practice so far this week? Yeah, they've really embraced it. They've really embraced it and looked for ways to attack. And this is also a big week for us to be able to dial it back and get, get back to a connection, you know, get back to spending some time with each other outside of football. You know, last night we got to have a team dinner together. Um, it was really, you know, a good opportunity to get around each other. We'll do some community service this week. So there's a lot of things that we can tap into and do outside of football as well. All right, that was Dan Lanning as the Ducks get set for their bye week here. And Anthony, you look at the most important thing for Oregon to do with the extra time off before the matchup against Washington. What's priority number one? Get healthy. <laughs> you you got to get healthy. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, if you have a good football team and you're healthy, you know, midseason and towards the end, uh, then you have a good, great chance of, of, of winning the Pac-12. But if you got injuries and your guys are not, you know, I think it hurt Oregon last year towards the end when Bo Nix got hurt. He wasn't playing the same. You and think? It looked like a different, different offense. So when you go into this game and you go into this bye week, uh, I always tell our kids, hey, walk away for a minute. Clear your mind, you know, and then come back, get healthy, get treatment, do what you need to do, get in the weight room a little bit. And then for this game – you don't usually do this, but for this game, you might start game planning a little early. You might start looking at Washington a little early. Usually you take the week to just get better and work on fundamentals for the week. And then game week, you work on the game planning, looking at Washington. I may take two weeks to look at Washington. <laughs> I need a good game plan to stop these guys. Mm. Aaron, most important thing for Oregon. Well, just to piggyback Newman there, my thing was, you know, take the extra time to, to watch film. You're probably not going to be on the, on the field very often because you have that time off, but you can always watch film. And there's a lot to study to find some, you know, some nuances you can pick on in your opponent. So I would definitely encourage my kids to do that. We have to give a shout out to the penalty situation. I don't think we've talked about that yet. Only two penalties at Stanford. I think we all, a round of, we've kind of been picking on them. So a round of applause there. Definitely some growth and discipline in that area. But, yeah, I, I would just, you know, like, for example, if I'm a defensive back, I'm trying to figure out any types of tips and tendencies and those receivers to give me any type of information I can use against them. And that's something you can try and do during the extra time. All right, Joey, close us out here. What does Oregon need to do during this bye week? Make sure Kyrie Jackson is yes has his leg up and is sleeping on his the opposite hip and you know whatever tossing, it is to you know Tylenol. to get that guy healthy. I mean that that's <laughs> that is going to be the key because in order to have a chance to make an impact on those wide receivers and allow you to get a pass rush up front, you got to have someone who can lock it down. Right, and he's shown that that he can be that type of guy. Um, I hope that two weeks is enough to get him healthy and ready to go because that uh, that's going to be a that will probably be in my mind, other than Bo making some special plays, the biggest key to to this Oregon win, or I would say the the game if Oregon is. Oh, win. okay, Joey. I see a little early prediction right there. Either way. Should be a fun one. So we'll I said the they're going 11 and 1, Jordan. I mean, come on. I know, right? There's right. only got to be one that, that, that goes the other direction. Potentially the biggest matchup in 115 years between Oregon and Washington will come next week. We'll get you all ready for that one. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget the show's on YouTube. Thank you for all the kind comments to leave about Fentress in the comment section for there. Keep them rolling here, baby. We'll see you all next week.